Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Friday, May 7th. Stocks are up, a federal grand jury came down with new indictments in the George Floyd case, and we're focused on this morning's stunning jobs report. Earlier this morning, the U.S. Labor Department reported that the economy added 266,000 jobs in April. And to be clear, those are jobs being filled, not just jobs that are being offered. And 266,000 is a lot, and it sounds really good, but economists had been expecting to add nearly 1 million jobs. And then making things just a little bit worse, the March jobs report was revised downward from 917,000 to 770,000. The big picture here is that the economic recovery might have hit a significant speed bump, and that could totally change the political debate over whether or not to spend trillions of dollars on infrastructure and social services. Three quick things to know from inside the numbers. First, the biggest hiring gain was in leisure and hospitality, more than half of which was in food and beverage, although that industry remains nearly 3 million jobs shy of where it was before the pandemic began. Two, average hourly earnings rose, which suggests that employers are being forced to pay up to hire. And that rings true to anyone who has seen those help-wanted signs outside of restaurants and retail stores lately. Three, the biggest job loss was in professional services, but there was also a big decline, 77,000 jobs in courier, which suggests that the pandemic's delivery boom has begun to wane. The bottom line here is that pundits and politicians have spent the last month or so talking about how the economy is possibly overheating. As of today, that talk has cooled down. So in 15 seconds, we will dig deeper into what all of this means with two conversations. One with Axios chief financial correspondent Felix Salmon about what's actually inside these numbers and what it means for the economy. And then with Axios politics reporter Sarah Muha about how the White House and Congress is reacting. But first, this. We're joined now by Axios chief financial correspondent Felix Salmon. Felix, this jobs report comes out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Your immediate response on Twitter was, yikes, that's bad. What was the worst part? So when I put that tweet out on Twitter, literally the only thing I had seen was the headline number, 266,000. That was literally like a million less than I was expecting. This was the biggest miss in terms of the jobs report i think that has ever happened in the history of the jobs report it turned out to be even worse than that because not only was the number of new jobs way lower than we thought it would be but they also went back to march and said actually the number of jobs we created in march was lower than we originally reported so we are just have we have just probably i don't know 1.5 million definitely over a million fewer jobs than everyone actually thought that we did Why did people expect this jobs report to be so big? I think there's a couple of things. One is that all of the corporate earnings reports have been coming out incredibly strong. People are making lots of money. Companies are making lots of money. Wages are going up. There's a lot of talk about companies not being able to find employees, labor shortages, that kind of thing, all of which points to a white-hot labor market. On top of that, you have a large decline in the number of people filing for unemployment benefits. You have a bunch of money slushing around the economy in the wake of all of those stimulus checks that went out. All of that, it logically makes sense, should lead to an economy that's creating lots of jobs. And so it's kind of incredibly disappointing that it doesn't. Felix, the unemployment rate ticked up a bit in this report from uh, 6% to 6.1%, but that only measures people who are looking, actively looking for work and can't find it. 
There's also this higher figure, this so-called real unemployment rate, which includes people who've given up on finding work. So what did we learn today, broadly speaking, about Americans who are unemployed? There was some good news in terms of the the broad measures of unemployment went down, even if the narrower measures of unemployment went up. Um, there was good news in terms of black and Hispanic unemployment. But the fact is that unemployment is a pretty useless number to look at these days because it only counts people who are actively looking for work. And the main group of people who aren't working right now is not the unemployed. The main group of people who aren't working right now is people who have not yet got back into the labor force because, you know, their kids are still in hybrid school or for or they're afraid to go back out into public sector jobs or they haven't got the vaccine or whatever. The reason is the labor force just isn't as big as it was pre-pandemic. The biggest gain sector here was hospitality, most of which was in kind of food and beverage, but it's still a couple million jobs short of where it was pre-pandemic. Is part of this possibly simply that hospitality hasn't reopened as fast as had been expected? Well, I mean, hospitality accounted for more than all of the new jobs. Like everyone else in aggregate, like lost jobs. I mean, you're right. There's still a lot of reopening in the hospitality industry left to happen. And we can hope that the million jobs that didn't show up in April will wind up showing up in future months. But I don't think it's fair to blame hospitality for this one. In fact, I would say that this jobs report kind of puts the lie to the idea that, you know, unemployment benefits or whatever are preventing people from getting new jobs at restaurants. The restaurants are actually the one kind of positive part of this report. Are there other things from this report we learned that suggest there are other industry sectors that are having a particularly hard time rebounding from the pandemic? Well, construction was the big surprise, right? Everyone's talking about how housing starts are up, new home sales are up, house prices are up, lumber prices are up. And the number of jobs in construction was basically completely flat. There was no increase at all. And everyone said that was, oh, maybe things aren't quite as blazingly hot in that area of the economy as we thought either. Is, is that what it is? But as you say, new housing starts are up. Someone's got to be building those. That's what a new housing start means. It means people are putting frames up and those are humans with nails. So I, it's true. Like This is part of the reason why everyone expected the report to be much more positive than it was. There are certainly a lot of other economic indicators out there which indicate that the economy is doing pretty well in the areas like construction. I wouldn't throw away all of your priors just because of this one jobs report. But I would say that the jobs report does radically alter the way in which we're looking at this recovery. And it does make us take pause and think, well, maybe things aren't quite as wonderful as we thought they were. Stocks reacted to this by going up. That seems for a lot of people to be counterintuitive. Why do stocks sometimes go up when the jobs report comes in bad? And it's not just stocks, it's bonds as well. Basically, all of the markets are up today. And the reason is that the Federal Reserve has a dual mandate. It needs to make sure that inflation is under control, but it also is charged with ensuring full employment. This jobs report shows that we are millions and millions of jobs away from full employment. We are getting there more slowly than anyone thought. Then that means 
that the Federal Reserve is going to have to keep on keeping its foot on the accelerator for the foreseeable future. There probably won't be another rate hike until 2023 at the earliest. That's good news for the markets. So long as the Fed is flooding the economy with cheap money and free money and low interest rates, the stock market likes that, the bond market likes that, everyone likes that. So this is just another indication of how the markets are not the economy. Felix Salmon, Chief Financial Correspondent for Axios. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan. And now let's turn over to the political ramifications of this with Sarah Muha, who covers the White House for Axios. Sarah, what are you hearing out of the Biden administration about how today's jobs report might change their selling strategy for these two big infrastructure plans? It all sort of boils down to it's the economy, stupid. I mean, am I allowed to say that, right? This jobs report, while it in and of itself is complicated and confusing economically, I think politically it's actually fairly clear cut and it's easy for both Republicans and Democrats to capitalize on and find talking points within it. So for Republicans, they're saying, well, look, this is super disappointing. Kevin Brady, he was saying this is a setback. It's proof that Biden is sabotaging our jobs recovery. And, you know, on the other hand, Biden is saying, well, I think this is just proof that we need to pass our plan to create more jobs. And actually, this is a child care issue. And we, my plan is going to get people and women specifically back in the workforce because we're going to give people the, the child care that they need and we're going to ramp up more jobs and create more of a stimulus. It's sort of a grab bag for everyone. But I don't know, to answer your question, how much it's going to actually play into those conversations down the road, because it's just one report. Behind the scenes, is there disappointment? Because this was a stunningly low number. Yeah, absolutely. I think behind the scenes, they're saying that, but they're also actually acknowledging it publicly. Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, she said, if I could have predicted, I probably would have guessed this was a higher number. And for her to admit that publicly, you imagine that that internally they're thinking, well, what happened? But at the same time, this is easy to spin. This is really easy to take and say, well, it's one report. We're going to take this. And they're going to be having meetings when Congress is back in session next week. They're bringing Republicans to the White House. Senior advisors are going over to Capitol Hill. I'm sure this will come up. I'm not convinced that it's going to have like a devastating blowback on their efforts to sell this plan. Final question for you, which is a timing one. Does this mean there is even more pressure on the next jobs report in one month from now? You you said this is just one report. Two reports becomes a trend. I completely agree. I do think that the next report is the one that we all need to be watching out for. And I think it's going to be much harder for the administration to spin a second report in the same way that they do this one, because they're all saying, you know, well, wait out for the next report. Sarah Muha of Axios, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. Welcome back. What we'll be watching tomorrow is Elon Musk hosting Saturday Night Live, in part because of the show's massive train wreck potential, and in part because Musk might use the opportunity to further hype Dogecoin, the cryptocurrency that's become as synonymous with Musk as are Tesla and Mars. Three things to know. First, Dogecoin was started as a joke by a couple of engineers in 2013, kind of trying to make fun of other cryptocurrencies. In fact, one of the engineers disclosed this week he had such little faith in it that he sold all of his Dogecoin in 2015 in order to be able to afford a Honda Civic. Two, 
Despite being created as a parody, or, or maybe because of it, Dogecoin has now become the world's fifth largest cryptocurrency by market cap, valued at around $78 billion. Or put another way, 3.6 million Honda Civics. Three, some of that price appreciation is thanks to the Reddit crowd, but a ton of it is owed to Elon Musk, who's regularly tweeted his support for Dogecoin, including with some pretty bizarre stuff thrown in. Just go into Twitter, you'll find it. The bottom line here is that crypto folks will be tuned into SNL with their fingers on their trading apps, but so will federal securities regulators for other reasons. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Naomi Shaven, Sabina Singani, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to follow us or subscribe to this podcast. And if you haven't left us a review, please do so. Have a great Mother's Day weekend. And we'll be back on Monday with another Axios Recap. <laughs>